Hey, give Tommy a hand. He did a great job, right? <laughs> Happy Easter. Oh man, what a great, uh, great weekend. I'm really glad that you're here. I want to let you know uh, that tomorrow we have three, we have three more, I know that's how I was feeling too. Uh, tomorrow we have three more services at 8 a.m. at 9.30 and 11. I know some of you are thinking, why are you telling me that? We're here on Saturday night, like we're not coming back again. But maybe you know someone and you can just invite them and say, you gotta go. It's just a, a great time. Hey, I want to just uh, real quickly before we dive in, um, maybe it's been a long time since you've been back in church. Uh, maybe it's been never, you know, it's just been one of those things. But the pandemic has thrown so many of us off our, our rhythms, and maybe you're sensing and feeling that today. In fact, even as you're sitting here, you just kind of feel it welling up. And, and maybe literally you're feeling like, ah, I don't know if it's like guilt or like what or what God's doing. I'm just feeling, I'm just feeling warm. It's actually because our air conditioner went out. So um, just letting you know they're working on them right now. But of course, of all the weekends uh, to have a problem, here it is on Easter. But hang in there because we're going to get through this uh, together tonight. Hey, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to the book of John, the book of John chapter 20. So the New Testament, which is the latter half of the Bible, uh, goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So you can find that pretty easily. If you use your, your phone or a mobile device, uh, you can just look it up and get to John chapter 20. Because we're going to read a really important passage around what this weekend is all about, which is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. That's why, why we celebrate. So we have been over these last um, probably six weeks or so in a series called Jesus Went. And we have been kind of following Jesus uh, and digging deeper really into the places that he went and the people that he encountered. And in these places, we experience his presence, but we also experience something more that he offers. So we started this whole series by looking that Jesus went to the desert and he faced temptation there. And of course, here we are 2,000 years later, but what do we learn in that is that he is with us when we face temptation. We looked at how Jesus went to a wedding and did an unexpected miracle, and he showed us that, that he can also do the unlikely and the unexpected in us as well. And he went to outsiders and showed us that we, we are not overlooked and we are not unwanted regardless of our past. Jesus went to unexpected places to reveal to us that when we face hopeless situations, and sometimes we do, Sometimes we're not sure where to turn. Sometimes we don't know really what's next and we feel like we're, we're just kind of bumping up against a wall. We find from Jesus that he goes right to those difficult moments with us to bring us life and hope. And last weekend, we saw that Jesus went to the storms and man, he's, I won't even ask you to raise your hand, but I have so many people this week either come up to me or text me or call me and said, I have been in a storm, right? We all face them. And if we're not in one right now, we know that one is coming down the road. Jesus is with us right in the middle of the storm. But this weekend, this Easter weekend is a little bit different because all these other places that Jesus went showed us that he's been to the difficult places. He has been to the difficult situations. He went and he goes with us today. But this weekend is the fact that Jesus went to the cross so that we don't have to. 
He took the punishment and paid the price for my sin and for yours so that I don't have to. And this is huge. This is huge. He invites you and I to receive what he did on our behalf. And it is the greatest exchange ever. Ever. Have you ever gone to the store to, to make an exchange? You bought something and it's like, ah, it wasn't quite right. And, and you go there and well, what do you get? You, you get what you expect, right? You take a shirt back and, you know, they're not going to give you a car, right? <laughs> Though if you find a store that will do that, let me know because I, I would love to join in. But, you know, it's just kind of an even exchange. We, we never get more than we expect. But when it comes to this, we, the exchange isn't even fair. Because rather than getting what I deserve, rather than you getting what you deserve, which is really the punishment for our sin, Jesus instead extends grace and he gives me life and he gives me hope and he gives me freedom, he gives me forgiveness. I didn't deserve any of that. I didn't earn any of that, but he gives it. Again, it's just the greatest exchange ever. And that's what Easter is really all about. And the agony of the cross sets the stage for the light of resurrection and life. He died on that Good Friday. But today, he is risen. Oh, man, some of you were there. <laughs> I was like trying to like softball slow pitch that to you. And so let's try it again. He died, but today he is risen. Good job, good job. But can I tell you this? That's not just what today is about. That's what life is all about. That we were separated from God, but in Jesus, he's made a way for us to be brought back and reconciled in relationship, a restored relationship between us and God. And he offers us true life and true joy and true purpose and pure peace and the truth is, that's what we've all been trying to figure out, right? What is the point of life? What is the point of my heart beating and, and breath going in and out of my lungs? Like what, when it's all said and done, why am I here? And what does Easter have to do with any of it? So one of my favorite comics of all time is Calvin and Hobbes. Any of you guys Calvin and Hobbes fans? So if you haven't heard of Calvin and Hobbes, I don't know where you've been, but this is like the greatest. But anyway, Calvin is like this kid and he's got this tiger, you know, stuffed tiger named Hobbes. And in this one comic, I'm gonna put it up on the screen. Uh, his teacher is attempting to teach the class. And the teacher says, and if you're a teacher, you're gonna completely uh, kind of familiarize yourself with this. Uh, she says, if there are no questions, we'll move on to the next chapter. And Calvin, I have a question. And so the teacher says, well, certainly, Calvin, uh, what is it? And he says, what is the point of human existence? And the teacher is like, I meant any questions about the subject at hand, right? And Calvin, and this is the greatest response, frankly, I'd like to have this issue resolved before I expend any more energy on this. And for some of us, right, we're, we're out trying to make life work and we're, we're trying to do this and we're expending all of this energy, but at the core of all of it, we're trying to figure out like, why am I here? And what is this all about? And is, is life just, you're born and you 
Maybe go to school and you work your job and you retire and you die. And is, like, is, is that really it? And the answer to that is no. There's so much more to life than that. Because when that question comes, what's the point of all this? And then the tag to that, why does Easter even matter? The, the big answer to this question is, is that God made me, God made you to love us. What's the point of our existence? God created us to be in relationship with us. He designed me and he designed you not just to follow some rules, not just to live according to the law, but to be in relationship. But the problem with that is, is that all of our relationships with God were broken by sin. And that's the separation between us and God. And this is what's so amazing about Easter. It's a celebration of God's ultimate rescue and God's ultimate answer, that Jesus bridged the separation between us and God by his sacrifice on the cross. But it wasn't the end of the story. He rose to life to bring us to life and to restore us to our purpose and to give us the, the point of life back again to be known and to be loved by God. And I will tell you, nowhere is God's ultimate plan of love and reconciliation more settled and more summed up than at the empty tomb that we celebrate this weekend. You know, tombs have often been known to tell us something, right, about a person. You've probably been to a cemetery at some time. I know some of you even recently have faced some situations and times of loss, and it's so hard. And when you're there, you, you see some of these stones and you see the dates of birth and you see the, state, the, the, the date of death and maybe even a short statement, right? Precious mom, beloved son, loving dad. Trying to sum up in just a few, a few, a few letters, a few words, like how do you, you kind of contain this life? And tombs reflect a little bit of that. Maybe the most famous tomb was discovered about 100 years ago. It was for King Tut in Egypt. And he ruled around 1344 BC. And he was the ruler back then, and he was nine years old. Now, I just want you to just think for a moment. Can you imagine your nine-year-old ruling? <laughs> just, just think about that for a second. Think about all that could go wrong and sideways with, with that. And some of you looking at the state of things, you know, might just go, well, maybe a nine-year-old, you know, it would be okay. I, I don't know. You know. I'm not making any political statement there. I'm just saying, right? We just, but imagine a nine-year-old, a nine-year-old ruling a country. Now, again, he lost his life young. And yet when they found it, his tomb was filled with wealth and gold, actually had boats in it and chairs and thrones, chests full of treasure, solid gold masks. There were gold shrines that were within that. I've seen pieces of this at a museum a few years ago. And, and then there was the sarcophagus and the mummified body. Everything was this extravagant show of wealth and power and position and authority because that's, that's all he had. It was just like, here it all is. Here, here's how magnificent I am. But when it's all said and done, it's still a tomb for someone who's died. That's it. All the wealth, 
Compare that to the simple tomb of Jesus. No wealth, no show, no extravagant display of position or power. Here's the crazy thing. The tomb wasn't even his. It was just borrowed. But what's the main difference? Jesus' tomb is empty. He only needed it for three days. It's kind of like a short-term rental. That's all he needed it for. He went to the tomb, but he didn't stay there, and he took up life again so that we can live. And it changes everything. So if you're there in John 20, I want to read you just these, these first nine verses. It says, early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. And she ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. I want to pause here just for a moment because I just want to give you a little tidbit here in Scripture. So which, which book are we in again? Do you know? John, right? So John is writing this, and guess who the other disciple is? John. He's, he's writing about himself, which is interesting. So it says, she ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one that Jesus loved, right? He's kind of getting, and it's not, he's not even done yet. She said, they've taken the Lord's body out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. And Peter and the other disciple, again, he's writing about himself, started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. You kind of wonder what's going on with John just saying, when it's all said and done, I want them to remember that I beat Peter to the tomb, right? Now, those are just extraneous details. But don't, don't miss out what's really happening here. Jesus is gone. Like he's not there in the tomb. And it says that they went in and, and looked in and saw the linen wrapping, wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside, and he also noticed the linen wrappings lying there while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw, and here's the thing. What did he do? He believed. For until then, they hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. That that resurrection morning changed everything for us. Jesus went to a cross and he gave up his life to pay the penalty for my sin. But he, he didn't stay in that tomb. He rose again so that you and I can rise again. So that you and I can have life. So that you and I can be reconciled back to God. So I'm gonna give you three things I want you to write these down. Would you do that? The first is this. Jesus went to the cross and rose again so I can experience his truth and life. His truth and life. See, when you read this right away, you're confronted with a truth that challenges your heart and your mind as you read through this account, right? Mary goes to the tomb and it's empty and the disciples go to the tomb and it's empty. In some of the other accounts in Matthew and Mark and Luke, it says that the angels were there and they say, he's not here, he's risen just as he said. And here's the truth that when you face Easter, it will challenge your worldview. Because here's the question we all ask, right? Did Jesus really rise from the dead? I mean, there, there are so many people before Jesus and after Jesus who claim to be the, 
the sent one, the chosen one, the Messiah, the savior of the world, and all of them died. And their followers were dispersed and moved on, and you wouldn't even know the names of these self-proclaimed messiahs. So why is Jesus so unique? Why has this message of Christ spread to the whole known world? And today, people all over the world are celebrating that Christ rose from the dead. What was it that changed his followers' minds? So I want you to hear this. It wasn't Jesus' teaching. Now that was huge, but that wasn't the, the switch that flips here. It wasn't that he was a miracle worker, as amazing as that was. It wasn't that he was unique and he lived a one-of-a-kind life. It wasn't the moral code that he lived. It was one thing, the empty tomb. Jesus went to the cross, but it wasn't the end of the story. These followers touched Jesus and they talked with Jesus and they saw with their own eyes that he had risen from the dead. Now, here's what we do 2,000 years later. We go, yeah, you know, people back then, like they didn't have science like we have science. I mean, the, we're, we're talking about people who were probably superstitious. Obviously, they were very religious in their duties and all of those things. They weren't as sophisticated as we are. They, we're modern people. We, we know better. We have tests and, and all kinds of things that we can look at. We're educated. We know that coming back to life is impossible. That, whether you say that out loud, that tends to be the response. But you know what? Those, those followers back then with Jesus, they actually didn't believe it. They didn't want to believe. Jesus over and over again as he walked with his followers would say to them, I'm the savior of the world and I'm going to die. I'm gonna pay for your sins. I'm gonna prove my power and authority and I'm going to come back to life. And the disciples would, now I'm gonna put it in my words, but they would kind of do this, Jesus, Dude, you've got to stop saying that because it's, it, it just sounds so insane. And you're never going to get followers with that kind of a marketing plan. We've got to brainstorm a whole different strategy because this coming back to life thing, people are like, whoa, what do we do with that? So understand, now, his disciples didn't use those words, but over and over, they would, it was even said they would rebuke Jesus. They would say, like, don't talk like that. And when you read through those gospels, you know what? None of the disciples expected Jesus to, to rise again. None of them. Maybe you would have thought out of all of these 12 at least, they were the closest to him, but there were other followers as well. You would have thought that one of them, one of them would say, hey, remember when Jesus said that he was gonna die and then rise again? Oh, what if? I mean, what if that's true? Let, Let's go check it out. I mean, it can't, it can't hurt, right? Not a single one of them did that. You know why? Because resurrection's impossible. They'd seen the betrayal. They'd seen the trial. They'd seen the beating. They'd seen the nails that were driven in. And they watched him die, and he was put in the tomb. And in their minds, this is done, and it was over. So what changed? What caused those people who believe there is no resurrection to go to the places where their lives were at risk and to say Jesus Christ has risen from the dead? One reason, because the evidence overwhelmed them. We sang that last song, the evidence is clear. Jesus appeared to over 500 people at one time and then there's still that empty tomb. Now I want you to put yourselves 
in his followers' shoes, just, just for a moment. How crazy is it to go around and say someone has risen from the dead if you are not 100% sure? Wouldn't it have been easier to say, you know what? Jesus was a great teacher. And he was killed for it. But we, his followers, we're going to keep his teaching and his way of life alive. Because we believe his spirit is still encouraging us and still kind of motivating us. And so we're going to kind of hold the name of Jesus because he was a good teacher. Wouldn't that have made sense? That's what most religions do. But that's not what they said. They said, Jesus is risen from the dead. And thousands upon thousands believed. And the truth exploded across the world. He went to a cross. He went to the grave. And he came to life to bring you life and me life. And that allows us to reconnect with the point and the meaning of why we're here. To be restored in a relationship with God. Write this down for number two. Jesus went to show how much he values me. See, one of the questions when it comes to the cross and his sacrifice for us is, why would he do that? If he was innocent, if, if, if he didn't have to do that, like why in the world would he go through all of that? Not just for followers back then, but why would he go through that for me? Why would he go through that for you? It's sometimes hard to believe that our value is worth the sacrifice. So back a few weeks ago, I read an article in the LA Times, and it was about a gem dealer, kind of dealing, you know, kind of precious stones and stuff. And he went to one of those gem and mineral shows, and it was in Tucson, Arizona. This is a true story, you can look it up. And he was strolling around looking through the boxes, and he was looking through this Tupperware bin that was full of rocks, and he pulled out this bluish rock that he said was about the size and shape of a potato. And it was pretty ugly, and so he went to the, to the dealer, but he saw something, and he went to the, the dealer, and he said, you want $15 for this? And the guy says, yeah, I know, it's just kind of ugly. Look, give me 10 bucks, and we'll call it even. That potato-sized rock has been certified as a 2,000-carat star sapphire. It was appraised for two and a quarter million dollars. How'd you like to be the dealer on that? Cool. I could have had 15 and I gave it away for 10, you know? So in this article, the reporter was interviewing the guy who bought it because he recognized it, you know, as having value. And he said, don't you feel bad that you only got, I mean, you got it for 10 bucks, you know? And you even asked the guy and he gave it to you for, for 10. And he said this, and this line is just kind of blown me away. He says, when someone places a price on something he sells, that's what it's worth to him. So he put a price of 15 and lowered it to 10 because in his mind, that was the value. That's all that it's worth. When someone places a price on something, that's what it's worth to them. So here's my question. What was the price for you and me? You wanna know what the price was? The life of God's own son. Do you see how much he values and treasures you and me? He didn't just say, well, you know, maybe 
Look, give me a buck and we'll call it even, right? No. He, he sent his one and only son to go through the horrors of a cross and a crucifixion to pay the price for your sin and mine. That's how much he values us. He sees you as priceless treasure. Scripture even tells us that. And the thing is, the worth and value I put on myself is sometimes not very great. I don't think I'm worth a whole lot sometimes. You probably walk through similar days, similar times, similar seasons. Maybe it's been a long stretch and you just think, I'm really not worth all that much. And maybe it's dependent on whether you had some success or some win, but Jesus looks at you and he looks at me and he was willing to give up his life to restore us into relationship with God. And I'll tell you, if you will flip through your Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those are the books that tell the story and, and the life of Jesus. You will look through those. You know what you'll find? Jesus saw treasure and worth and beauty in all kinds of people. In the man that, who was blind and, and who was begging and everyone has just dismissed and just kind of pushed to the sidelines, Jesus saw value and worth there. There were people who had leprosy, a disease that was highly contagious, and Jesus went out to them and touched them and embraced them before they were even healed because he saw value and worth. There's a story of the woman at the well who was so stuck in sin and broken relationships and just a wounded life. And Jesus saw such value in her. The despised tax collector, the woman caught in adultery, the list goes on and on and on. Jesus saw value and he recognizes the true worth of you, whether you ever see it or not. Paul wrote this in the book of Romans. He said, for God has proved his love by giving us his greatest treasure, the gift of his son. And since God freely offered him up as the sacrifice for us all, he certainly won't withhold from us anything else he has to give. See, I think as fellow human beings, we see all that is flawed and frail in us. But as a father, you know what God sees in you? He sees his sons and his daughters. He sees his creation that he loves more than anything else. And when you think that Jesus was born into obscurity and he touched the lepers and the poor and the unlikely because they mattered to God, so that for us today, we can see the empty tomb reminds us of what matters most to God. And it's you and it's me. The last thing is this, write it down. Jesus went to the cross and rose again to bring me ultimate peace. To bring me ultimate peace. So I want you to think of these followers of Jesus again. And I want you just to imagine in the aftermath of the cross, I would guess that none of us in this room has seen an execution. We haven't seen the, just the heartbreak and the pain and the, I mean, all the emotions that are tied up. Imagine the disciples having walked through that. And, and they're, just, they're just in this swirl of things that are going on, right? Is he alive or is this some crazy hoax? They probably couldn't believe what was happening. It left them stunned. It left them speechless. Have you ever had a moment when you were stunned and speechless? When you just didn't even know what to say? like somebody did something really wonderful and unexpected. 
a surprise birthday, right? You walk in, everyone's surprised, and you, just, you don't even know what to say because you didn't want that in the first place, but someone did it anyway, right? Or that unexpected moment when somebody gets down on their knee and they open up the little box, right? Some of you ladies are thinking, yeah, it didn't go that way for me, but I, I know. <laughs> don't, don't be jabbing the guy next to you. But, but you know that thing, it's just like, I, I, I didn't even know what to say. If you're a student, you know that time when you walk out and you're thinking, I, I, I completely bombed that test. I don't, I, there are my grades like sunk, I don't know what I'm gonna do. And then when they hand the, the, the test back, you got an A, and you're just like, like, how in the world did that happen, right? We have these things that sometimes happen in life, life that, that stun us into silence, but can you even imagine what it was like for his followers on that resurrection day, after all they'd seen, after all the swirl of emotions, after it's just done and gone, these three years have just been wasted, and now he's alive? What do you even say to that? Look at John 20 again. That evening, the disciples gathered together. This is verse 19. And because they were afraid of reprisals from the Jewish leaders, they had locked the doors to the place where they met. But suddenly, Jesus appeared among them and said, peace to you. And he showed them the wounds of his hands and his side. And they were overjoyed to see the Lord with their own eyes. Now understand, there was political and religious fallout from everything that had happened. They were afraid, emotional carnage from the loss and grief, the shame that they had scattered and abandoned Jesus in his hour of need. I'll bet there were some of them who didn't even want to see Jesus if he really was alive because what would he say to them? And what would they say in return? Maybe, maybe they were just a lost cause after all. Maybe they weren't worth it. You know they had to be going through that. It's just like, just, just leave us. I, I'm too far gone. There's, there's nothing worth saving here. Back a few years ago, um, I came out uh, from my house in the morning, come to the office and walk out and I had this little Toyota pickup and I walked out and I was like, I think I parked it right there, where'd it go? My car, my little truck was stolen. And uh, if you've been around here, I've shared that story before because in our family, we've had like multiple vehicles stolen, but it was just one of those moments where it was just like, oh, you gotta be kidding. And so, you know, we went through the whole thing and the police ended up finding it out here on the, the west side down by this riverbank. And it was stripped and it was banged up and it was messed up. Everything was torn out. The engine was gone, all those things. And the insurance company just went, totaled, not worth it. There's nothing really to repair here. There's nothing really to salvage in this. So it's a total loss. Some of you feel a little bit like that, that you're a total loss, that there's not much really worth salvaging. But can I tell you, God never says that you're not worth it. He never looks at you and sees someone who's too far gone, too messed up, too banged up, too stripped down. He's come to bring you ultimate peace. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean you'll never have problems or stress or conflict? No. Ultimate peace that Jesus brings to us through the cross and the resurrection is peace with God. It's restored relationship 
that's been broken. Remember, this is the point of our existence. This is the reason we're here, is to be reconnected with our Creator, the one who knows us, the one who made us, our Heavenly Father. And it's a new beginning. And I know right now your life may seem like a battle and it may seem like you're just searching for hope and something more and you keep trying and trying and working and working. And it's just like, I don't know what to do anymore. Jesus has come to restore that. Peace between you and God. Peace in your soul. Our worship team is gonna play a song for you right now. And I want you just to sit back for a moment. We're gonna put the words on the screen. I'm just gonna ask you, don't try to sing it. It, it's, it. It's not that kind of thing. I want you just to look at the words to this song that Jesus did all of this. He did the cross and all of that so that you can experience and breathe in his peace. Listen to these words.
peace. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship with God. And I know we've all been trying to find our purpose and fill our lives with some reason for existence, an answer to why I'm here. And we're still at it. And nothing seems to satisfy or fulfill until we come to the empty tomb and accept the invitation to life in Jesus. Listen to the Apostle Paul's words. Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us and he now declares us flawless in his eyes. Can you believe it? This means that we can now enjoy true and lasting peace with God, all because of what our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One, has done for us. Our faith guarantees us permanent access into this marvelous kindness that has given us a perfect relationship with God. What incredible joy bursts forth within us as we keep on celebrating our hope of experiencing God's glory. See, God's saying, it's all been done for you. Will you join in? Will you take the step? Will you enter into this peace between you and God? That's what Jesus did. And so, like, like what do I do, right? That, that's the question, what, what do I do with that? Well, it's a step of faith. It's a step of belief. It's a step of salvation, we call it. Being rescued by God. And then it's a moment by moment, day by day journey to follow him. So I want you to just to close your eyes right now. Would you do that? Bow your heads. And I don't want anyone looking around just for a moment. But maybe you're sitting here and you're going, Dave, that's, that's what I've been looking for. Because I've been struggling and I've been trying and trying and working and working to be good enough. And I just can't do it. And you're right, none of us can. That's why Jesus was the perfect one who paid the price for us. And now he offers it to us, that great exchange, the greatest exchange ever. And he says, if you'll just bring me your sin and your past and your stain and all of those things, I will give you life and hope and freedom. I will set you free and make a place for you in my kingdom. All you have to do is believe and enter in. And so in just a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer and I'm going to ask us all to pray this prayer out loud. Just invite you to do that. Maybe a little uncomfortable, but think of what this means. And so we're going to pray this prayer together. And you don't have to get the words right. It's nothing like that. Just, just follow in this model. But before I do that, I just want to ask the question again. Are you ready to take a step and say yes follow after Jesus. If that's you with no one looking around, would you just raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me. That's me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I see some of you guys. Just raise your hand right now. That's all you got to do. Yeah, I see you over here. Would you pray this prayer with me? Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. And thank you for going to the cross and rising again to bring me life. Forgive me of my past. Forgive me of my sin. I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Father, thank you so much.
for this time. Thank you for this gathering that we've been able to have to celebrate not just your death, but your resurrection, that you came to bring us life. And Lord, I pray for each person who took that step tonight to pray that prayer, to raise their hand. Lord, we know that those aren't the most important things, but took a step tonight. Pray that you'd surround them, care for them, love them as they follow after you. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? I want to just remind you of something. If you took that step, whether you raised your hand or not, but you took that step of faith tonight, I want to encourage you to text this word decision to 30500. And all you're going to do is you're going to get a quick text back with a link, and it will kind of just walk you through, well, you know, what does this mean to follow after Jesus? And it'll take you in those first steps. So I encourage you to do that before you go. So we're going to do one last song because Easter weekend is not about the cross. It's not about the darkness of the tomb. Easter is about a celebration that he has come to bring us life. So let's sing this last song together.